Well, we have been walking through the sermon series you asked for it. Again, we've covered a lot of different topics, a lot of different stories, questions, thoughts, ideas that uh, have come in. We're going to continue that today, continue that again next week where we talk about, hey, what does it truly mean to live a life of worship? Like not just what we do on the stage, but how do we live that out day in and day out? So we're going to talk about that next week. And then that'll be the conclusion of this series. But then June the 4th, the next Sunday after that, we're going to begin a 12-week sermon series, a study through the entire book of Revelation. Uh, When you see all the things that are going on in today's times, in today's culture, when you spend time in, in, uh, you know, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, you see the the story of like how, like the world, what it's going to look like in the end times. It's hard not to kind of put like what Paul talked about and in our current culture and current situation, it's hard not to kind of, you know, cross some T's and dot some I's and, and, and draw some similarities there of recognizing that we're probably pretty close to those days. And so we're going to spend some time all summer talking about what do the end times look like? What is it that we can uh, glean from the book of Revelation to see? So that's kind of laying out for you where we're going, just so you can know. And I want you to like make plans to be here in the weeks that you maybe on vacation, you're not here. That's fine. But you know, make sure you watch it later online or in the app and, and keep notes. We're going to be handing out a booklet uh, that will be the, the study book for the entire summer. We'll be giving that out uh, in a couple of weeks as well as we start the series on Revelation. But today, how do you share your faith without being weird? I've heard a lot of stories, a lot of people that have shared with me uh, in times of past in restaurants, even locally here, where they would say that on Sundays... It's the worst day of the week to work because of the way that people come in from church and, and how people are treated. I heard several people that actually told me that, uh, that people would come in and they, after church on a Sunday, they'd have a big group there. They would eat a meal together. And then for the tip, they would leave uh, a, a gospel track. How many of you remember what a gospel track is? Okay, so a lot of you do, a lot of young people. Basically, it's just this. It's a little, small little brochure that has the gospel story in it. Great tool, great resources. We gave out some back on Easter Sunday here. But they would take that track and they would actually put a $1 bill in the track and they would leave it on the table as the tip. Now, as you can imagine, that really is not going to have a great impact for the gospel, right? That's not going to get very far. I've seen other where there was actually a a gospel track that was printed one time. And some of you remember these. And it was actually a a $20 bill. It looked like a fake $20 bill. It looked like a real $20 bill. But it actually folded over. And so when it folded over, it looked like a real 20. And people would actually take those and they would leave them like underneath their napkin or underneath the, the, the glass or something there as the tip when they finished eating their meal and paid their bill. And they would leave that there. And so the person coming alongside to clean the table, the, the server would come and get all excited and think, man, I got a $20 tip. And they would pick it up and open it up. And it was a gospel track, not any money whatsoever. And you sit back and you think, well, like, man, I want to get the word out. I want to get the gospel out. Hey, that's just weird. And not only is it weird, it's certainly not doing any good whatsoever in getting the gospel out into our culture today. It's kind of the idea, if you were to walk around today in the streets of New York or Lynchburg or wherever else that you might be, and walking down the street, and every person that you ran into, you say, you're going to hell and you need Jesus. And you wouldn't do that, I don't think, would you? I mean, can you imagine like you know, today going over to River Ridge Mall and as you're walking around River Ridge Mall and, and, and people are walking this way and you're walking you know, the other way and you're getting ready to pass them and right when you get next to them, you stop and say, you're going to hell. 
probably that person's going to call the cops. That person is not going to say, well, man, tell me how. I want to know how not to go to hell. They're not going to lean in and want to hear the gospel, hear the truth from you because you just scared them to death. You may have scared something out of them, but you scared them to death, right? And yet so often our opportunities and our ideas of what it means to reach people with the gospel kind of fall into those kinds of categories where it really doesn't have the kind of impact and the kind of reach that we want it to have. You say, well, I would never do something like that. Really? Because I've actually been online and I've seen some things on Facebook and on Twitter and other places like that where those same kind of things have happened. Where those same kind of stories have taken place where you have attacked people. I'm not saying you, this church, but Christians, people who claim the name of Christ, who will actually attack people online and tell them, you're going to hell. And I sit back and every time I see something like that, every time I see some kind of statement, some kind of attack on a person that is being attacked by a person who is a person, a follower of Christ and and a person of faith. And I sit back and think, man, what a sad narrative. What a sad story because we are called to be light in darkness. We are not called to be darkness in darkness. We're not called to actually be like the world in trying to fight the world. You see, what we have to do is we have to fight from a a higher level. We have to fight from a better place. We have to fight from a position of love and a position of truth and a position of light, not a position of darkness. Because we, as we talked about last week, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? We wrestle against principalities and powers, powers of the air. Like that's who we're up against. And so our responsibility is to reach people, but to reach people in the kind of way, in the kind of thing that comes about in showing and reflecting the love of Jesus Christ. And so today, like we're going to talk about, like, how can we do that? What can we do to make sure that in our daily journeys, in our walk with Christ every single day, that we can share our faith without being weird? Because we don't need any more weird Christians. We need Christians who are reflecting the love of Christ who are walking through life and honoring him and what they do and how they live and and that people would see Christ in us. As we just sang together, Christ in me, that's what we need to see. So question came in like, how do I share my faith without being weird? So let's just kind of walk through. I told you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter one. We'll be in that passage in just a moment to talk through like, what does that look like? And so let me just give you some answers of how we do that. Well, the first answer is this, just be you. Just be you. It's a simple answer, but it is so important because so often what we do when we talk about sharing our faith is we fake it, is that we're not really who we are. We could sit here and you could walk through the day and walk through the week and live your life and do lots of different things. But then, and we heard about it just a moment ago with that gentleman who got baptized today, he goes out with our our groups that goes out and actually knocks on doors in Lynchburg and shares the gospel. What a great resource and a great ministry, great tool. That's how this church got started, by the way. It's six days a week. My dad went out and knocked on a hundred doors a day back in 1956 when he started this church. And so a great way to reach people with the gospel, a great tool, a great resource. But the problem is this, is that what we would do is oftentimes Christians live a life that is totally counter to walking with God, totally counter to the truths and and the admonitions that are found in scripture. But then when they show up to go knocking on doors, man, they put on their game face and they put on their smiles and they put on their happiness and their joy. And they come, I want to share Jesus with you. When last night they've been living like the devil. The Bible very clearly tells us, man, just be you. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 12, this is a letter that Paul is writing to Timothy. Now, to make sure we understand, and I know you do, but I just want to say it to make sure it's clear here. So this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy is a letter that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is God breathed. So it's not just Paul writing to a friend. This is God writing to us through Paul to Timothy. Okay, so we can understand like the dynamics of what this passage says. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and beginning with verse 12, listen to what it says. It says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Paul is writing here this statement saying that God has called him into this work of the ministry. God has called him into this work of sharing the gospel and sharing his faith. And even though his past looked pretty bad... He's out here doing exactly what God called him to do. Now, this is a passage that we're sitting back thinking, well, yeah, but this is the Apostle Paul, and that does not really relate to me. Yes, it does. Let's go back to that passage. It could have been verse 12. Let's put it back up on the screen if if we could, guys. Um, And it says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. Now, remember, yes, the Apostle Paul writing this passage, yes, He's writing it to Timothy, but clearly what this is, is God speaking to us that if God gave Paul strength to do his work, do you think that God also gives us strength to do the work that he's called us to do? The answer is yes. Paul didn't have like some exclusive right, right? He didn't have some special, you know, dispensation with God that he was able to do things that you and I can't do. God called Paul out of what he was doing to serve him, just like God called you. So we go back to this passage. We thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me the strength to do his work. Look what it goes on to say. He considered me trustworthy and he appointed me to serve him. You say, wait a minute. Again, this is Paul talking about what God had done for him. Every single one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ could say this exact same thing. Because Jesus has called each and every one of us to do the ministry of the gospel, to do the ministry of his work, to do what he's called us to do. God has called all of us. And so just as God called Paul, God calls us and he has considered us trustworthy and it appointed us to serve him. Even though, Paul writes, I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. Three things there that Paul made it very clear, like, man, I was awful. Look what I did. I lived a life that was totally counter to the things of God. However, God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. That, those two verses, verses 12 and verses 13, verse 13, it is a testimony of every person in this room. It's not just Paul's testimony. It's your testimony and it's my testimony. And it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. It doesn't matter whether you've been to seminary or whether you have not. It doesn't matter whether you've been walking with God for 50 years or more. Or or maybe you just met Christ like last week. It is all of our testimony. That God, we thank him because for some reason he has chosen to use us to do his work. He has found me trustworthy to be a person who carries this message of the gospel out to the world. And as a result of that, like even though I was a persecutor of the faith, and by the way, before you come to Christ, when you're walking in darkness, walking in the world, that really ultimately is what you are. You are working against the gospel rather than working 
towards it. And so that we were in all of our, uh, you know, in our blasphemy and our insolence, which is like a violence of idea, like, like fighting against. We, we persecuted this thing called the faith. But God had mercy on me anyway. Every single one of you in this room could say, man, for some reason, God had mercy on me. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't deserve it. Couldn't work for it. I couldn't earn it. Couldn't be good enough. Couldn't be nice enough. God had mercy on us. And so when we talk about like, how do we share our faith without being weird? Like, just be you. You don't have to put on your game face. You don't have to try to act like something you're not. You don't have to ignore even your past. Paul didn't. Paul, in multiple places in scripture, he talked about his past. He talked about what he did. He talked about his past of, of working against the gospel. He didn't hide it. He actually talked about like, hey, look what I was, but now look what I am. And it's all because of Christ. Just be you. Just live your life and recognize and understand like, hey, without Christ, we're nothing. With Christ, we are everything. How awesome is it that that's what God has done for me? Regardless of your past and regardless of even the struggles you have in your present, which we all have. So just be you. So how do we make sure that we are just being us? Well, the second answer, trust in him. Let's continue reading. Verse 14, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He uh, filled me with the faith and love that I come that they come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That first part of verse 14, how generous and gracious our Lord was. Let me just tell you something. When we talk about the reality of hell, when we talk about the fact that there is a real place called hell, a place where there is eternal suffering and eternal condemnation, a place where the Bible talks about of wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth and all the things that we read about in scripture, how generous and how gracious our God was that he gave us the opportunity to step out of that reality, to move away from that potential, to step away from what is absolutely the path of anyone who dies without Christ. How generous and gracious our God is. And so, so, if he's generous and gracious, then we trust in him. Why? Look what it says again. Because he filled me with the faith and the love that come from Christ Jesus. When you came to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know what happened to you? The Bible talks about it. It's your new creation. Like you were a sinner, born with a sinful nature. We're all sinners. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. But when you come to Christ, when you trust in him as your Lord and Savior, when you accept him as your personal Savior, here's what happens to you. You, become, you go from being a sinner and you become a saint. You still have a sinful nature. You still have that past. You still have that, that struggle against temptation, that struggle against sin that will walk with you until the day you die because of the brokenness of this world. You still got it, right? But you've become a new creation. You've become a saint. And that saint is just simply the idea of this, that if we trust in him, that God has filled us with his love, that he has filled us with everything that we need to be exactly what God has called us to be through faith in Christ Jesus. So trust in him. <clears throat> I probably, if I were to walk around this room and ask the question, how many of you this week have shared your faith? I've got to be honest with you, the answer, the this people that say in that affirmative, like, yes, I've done that, the number would probably be pretty small. 
And I think that's true because a lot of us are self-conscious about sharing our faith. We get nervous about it. Like, what if I don't know what to say? What if I don't know what to do? And, and maybe I'm not worthy to do this because, man, look how I've lived and look at my past. Paul makes it very clear here. Like, hey, mark off every excuse that I just gave. Throw it out the window. Because, yes, we're all, we were all once bad. Yes, we all had baggage. Yes, we all had uh, p- problems and, and situations in our past that do not give us the right or the opportunity to be the people who share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says this, so what is really what's said here? Even though that's what I was, how generous and gracious our Lord is because he filled me with faith and love that come from Christ Jesus God will fill you with everything that you need. There's not a person in this room that God can't use to reach people with the gospel. You say, well, I don't know what to say. There's not a person in this room that God can't use to reach people with the gospel if you simply would be willing. So trust in him. So how do we trust in him? Well, what we do, third answer, we trust his plan. And we recognize that our story has more value than we think. The story that you bring with you, the story of your past, the story of your salvation, the story of your life, it actually has far more value than you could even possibly imagine. Let's go back to the passage, verse 15 and following. It says this, Paul writing, excuse me, and I am the worst of them all, Paul said. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. And then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Think about the passage that we just read. I'm the worst of them all, Paul said. There's nobody that's worse. There's nobody who has done worse things than I've done. There's nobody who's walked that path and and walked away from God and attacked God and and attacked the faith more than I have. Like, I am the worst of the worst, but, but God had mercy on me so that, and here's the key, Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example. For those of you sitting in this room thinking like, man, I can't be used of God because man, my past is awful. We saw this guy today get baptized. What a great story. Spent 10 years in prison. You know what? In today's culture, in kind of the thinking and human perspective, I guarantee you, he probably at some point, I've not spoken with him, but at some point in his journey, he probably thought, man, God can't use me. Man, I've been in jail for 10 years. Who's going to listen to a person who's been in jail? Like, like, how is that a story of value? Like, why would I have the right to go knock on someone's door? Honestly, in today's human culture, If somebody who's been in jail for 10 years and just gets out and comes knocking on your door, you're probably not answering the door. You're probably a little bit afraid of what that might, let's be honest, right? Being real. And and if that gentleman's here in this room, like, hey, I guarantee he's probably shaking his head too. Like, yeah, that's a reality. But what Paul says here, ultimately what God says here is this, yes, I'm the worst, but, but God had mercy on me. Why? So that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of what he can do in the lives of others. Now I'm using this man who got baptized today as an illustration, but I gotta be honest with you. I could walk down off the stage and I could point the finger at you and say the same exact thing. 
Like whatever it is that you've done in your past, whatever, however you've lived, like, like what, every one of you has a story and every one of you has an issue and every one of you has baggage and every one of you has that sin that so easily trips you up and every one of you knows exactly what it is and you're thinking about it probably right now, now that I bring it up. But know this, no matter how bad it is, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've lived, God has saved you from that through his generosity and through his grace and through his mercy. And he's done so. Why? So that the world would be able to see what Christ Jesus can do. And you can be a prime example of no matter what yesterday looks like, God can use me today. And isn't that the story of the gospel? By the way, again, no news flash here, but what does the word gospel even mean? Good what? Good news. Hey, is it good news that your past was really bad and your present is really good? Is that good news? Like, is it good news to think like yesterday, man, it was awful and I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed of what I did. Oh, but today I'm walking with Christ. Is that good news? Hey, is it good news that I was for 10 years, I was in jail, in prison, and now I'm out and I'm walking with Christ and I'm actually helping other people meet Jesus Christ. Is that good news? Yes, of course it is. And let me just tell you something. That good news is available to every person in this room and God will use you to share that good news with others if you'd just be willing to recognize that the story you have, no matter how bad, no matter how dark, no matter how dismal you might think it seems, that's a story that God can use and show the world that no matter how bad we are, our God is greater. No matter how bad our past is, God's forgiveness and mercy is, is so much greater. That salvation changes everything. First Corinthians chapter two, again, Paul writing in verses four and five, it says this, in my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, in the message, it says this, God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself, but to preach them the message of what he has done, collecting a following for him. And he didn't send me to do it with a lot of fancy rhetoric of my own, lest the powerful action at the center, Christ on the cross, be trivialized, trivialized into mere words. What does that passage say? It says this, you think you don't know how to share your faith? Doesn't matter. God will use you and your story. Don't know how to say it. Doesn't matter. God will use you and your story. Man, what if I mess up? God will use you and your story. Because the power of the gospel and the power of the cross is not dependent on the words that you can say. It's not dependent on the language that you can use. It's not dependent on your ability to persuade and to convince the power of the cross, the power of the gospel stands on its own. And all we have to do is shine a light on the power of the gospel. Trust his plan. And I can recognize and understand that your story is one that God can use in powerful ways. So the second question then, then how do I do it? How do I actually do this thing? How do I share my faith without being weird? Well, the first answer is this. Just go back to the source. Go back to the passage, verse 18, that says this, Timothy, my son, again, Paul writing to Timothy, he said, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Now, we put that verse back up on the screen here, verse 18. 
Again, Paul writing to Timothy. This could be construed as something that was written 2,000 years ago. and It's not relevant to us, but it is relevant to us because, again, God breathed these words out. So we understand, Timothy, so for all of you, put your own name there. Here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. You say, well, no prophetic words were spoken about me. Oh, yes, they were. Because Jesus himself said this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all the nations. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Prophetic words that were spoken about you, that you are called. God has sent you. And so we go back, verse 18. So, my friend, here are the instructions that God has for you based on the words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. In other words, these words are what you are going to need. Go back to the source. Where do we find the source? Through prayer and the God's word. Of making sure that we recognize and understand that this is where we find what we need. And so God, through Paul, writing to Timothy, says, hey, here's my instructions. So what are the instructions? Well, it takes us the second answer. Take your faith deeper. Look what it says in verse 19. Cling to your faith in Christ. Cling to your faith in Christ. In other words, take your faith deeper every single day. Get to know him more today than you knew him yesterday. Because understand this. The more you know about Christ, the more impossible it will be for you to not tell others about Christ. The more you know him, the more you're going to have to talk about him. The more you know about his grace and his mercy, the more you want to share it. The more you see like how awesome our God is, the more you can't keep it inside. The more you know what Christ has done, and I can't believe that he has done all this for us. The more you know about that, the more you're going to want to make sure the people next door know about it. The more you're going to want to make sure the people you work with know about it. The more you're going to want to make sure the people who go to school with you know about it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, hey, it is real. Take your faith deeper. So Paul writes, cling to your faith in Christ. The next thing, answer three, live right. This goes back to what we talked about, hypocrisy. Man, hypocrisy will never change the world. Living one way on a Saturday and one way on a Sunday is not going to make any difference. It's not going to make a dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs once said. It's not going to change things if you're not living for him. So it is important that we live right. So again, go back to verse 19. First first part of the verse, cling, cling to your faith in Christ. The second part of the verse, and keep your conscience clear. In other words, making sure that you're living according to the principles that God has laid out in his word. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Anybody know someone like that? That because of them trying to live a dual life and their journey has been shipwrecked? Man, I could, just story after story, name after name, person after person, maybe someone in this room. Now, does that mean we're done when that shipwreck happens? Absolutely not. It simply means this. It's another great opportunity. The repentance, the genuine repentance, it's another great opportunity of seeing what God can do. Man, I'm the worst of them all, but God and his generosity and his grace, look what he's done now. So make sure we're living right. Hypocrisy is the great roadblock and you fulfilling God's plan for you. And then the last thing, be ready. Be ready all the time. Second Timothy chapter four, verse two, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. 
patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. In other words, be ready all the time, anytime, wherever it might be that God gives you the opportunity to share the faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just give you some practical things you can walk out with, okay? They're going to be all up on the screen. You can take a screenshot if you want. They're in the notes. Just some quick, you know, quick snippets, quick thoughts here of things, of practical things that we need to do. Okay, the first one is this. Know your story. Know your story. Know what he's done for you. Like know what God has saved you from, God has delivered you from. Like know that, know it well. Like recognize and celebrate what God has done. Second thing, and be prepared when those opportunities arrive to share your story. Like don't be ashamed of what was. Don't be ashamed of your past. The past is something that we can celebrate because look what God has delivered us from. Be prepared. The next one, care more about your walk with Christ than you care about others' walk with Christ. And that one could be a little bit controversial. Wait a minute, I'm supposed to care about myself more than I care about others who are lost and going to hell? Yes. Now that is not an inward focus. That's not an inward look. Let me tell you what this is. The more you care about your walk with Christ... The natural result of that, the consequences of that, is that you're going to care about others' walk with Christ. So do you get what I'm saying now? You understand the dynamics of what I just said, right? So care more about your own walk, because when you care about your own walk, what you're going to do is you're going to stay away from hypocrisy, you're going to stay away from living dual lives, and you're desperately going to want to make sure that other people understand who Christ is as well. So care about your walk more than you care about theirs. Next one, pray for opportunities. Pray for genuine opportunities to share the gospel with people. God, bring someone in my path today that I can share the the gospel with. Next one, genuinely care about people. And I'm not saying like genuinely care about people who look like you, act like you, live like where you live. I'm talking, care about people, all people. People online that say things that you disagree with. Genuinely care about people, love people. And this last one, so important, be nice. As Christians, we do not have the right to be a jerk. And yet today there are so many Christians who are just flat out jerks. I've seen them online. You've seen them online. I've seen them in this city. You've seen them in this city. Got to be honest with you. Occasion, once in a while, I've seen some in this church. We do not have the right to be a jerk. If we are a representative of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If we're a representative of the God, the only God who can save the world, who sent his son Jesus to die and to rise again so that he could seek and save that which is lost, that he's not willing that any should perish, you do not have the right to be a jerk to someone who doesn't believe that. Do not be a jerk. In other words, what we have to do is live out Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the fruits of the Spirit. Just simply live that out every day. And if you can put that passage into action in your journey, if you can put that passage into action in your life, then the opportunities to share the gospel with people will fall into your path like every day, all over the place. You'll be shocked at how many opportunities you have to share the gospel when you simply are walking the path that God has for you to walk. So how do I share my faith without being weird? Just do it the way God told us. And God will use it in a powerful way. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that it brings and for the practical applications that it gives on how we can be what you have intended for us to be in our journeys. God, we have the opportunity every single day 
of sharing the gospel with people. You put people in our path every single day. And God, tragically, so often we, we miss those moments. We miss them because of distractions. We miss them because of maybe the life that we're living, maybe because of sin that we've allowed to creep into our own lives. We miss those moments. God, help us not to miss them. God, I pray that you would give us a passion and a desire to be the kind of people that share the gospel everywhere we go. Because God, it's so good, so great, so amazing. How could we not want to make sure that everyone that we know, and even those we don't, have the privilege of experiencing the gift of heaven? And God, right now in this moment, if there's someone here who has never come to that place where they've said, I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died and that he rose again. They've never called on the name of the Lord for salvation. God, I pray right now in this moment that that is what they will do. And for that, we give you the praise. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, our team is going to gather here at the front. The altar is going to be open. We're going to stand and sing in just a moment. When we do, the altar will be open for you to make a decision. And maybe that decision today is what I just said. You need to meet Christ. I guarantee you in this room today, there, there's someone and maybe many someones that you don't know for sure that if you were to die today, that you would instantly enter into the presence of God in heaven and you would be there for eternity. And that only comes through trusting that Jesus is God's son and that he died and that he rose again for you. And maybe you've never made that decision. Today, we would love to help you make that decision. We would love to introduce that truth into your life. And so today, in a moment, we stand. The altar's open. Our team is here. We'd love to talk with you about Christ. Maybe you're here today and maybe you have not been living, walking, like, like acting out the way that we've talked about today of how to be that faithful witness of the gospel. Maybe you've been living a double life. Maybe hypocrisy has been there. Maybe you've been a jerk. And maybe today you just want to come here and kneel here and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done, but today I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to represent you in everything that I do. Maybe today you want to come and you want to pray for a loved one who's away from Christ to pray that God would give you or someone else the opportunity to share the gospel with them. The altar's open. Maybe you want to come and join our church family or come for baptism. As we stand right now, and as Scott leads us in the song, I just encourage you to step out as God leads. Let's sing together. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. Conquered the grave, Savior, He can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the today as we walk out of here, I pray that you would go with us and help us to be the representatives that you called us to be.
to share our faith, to shine our light, and to point people to you in everything that we do. And God, for that, we give you the praise. We give you the glory of the work that you will do through us. Not that we're worthy, not that we know what to do or know what to say, not that our past is perfect, but that we are simply saying, God, how generous and gracious you are, that you have taken us, the worst of them all, and you have used us to point people to Christ. God, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, have a good day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this journey of faith in Jesus Christ. So send us an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, well, we're here to help you. So just reach out to us. We'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. And if you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, then go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.